0: Gary Parish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent, and don't forget to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, while you're here, let's get into it. Dead Leg, we'll get to to uh, basketball in a minute, including uh, mm-hmm. Wisconsin's big win over Marquette in the annual Egg Bowl Bedlam game between the Badgers and the Golden Eagles. Impressive stuff from Greg Gard's team. But before that, my first question for you is that it's the sports question of the day. Okay. You ready for it? Of course not. How do you feel about trans athletes competing in women's sports? That's how we're starting this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> Just kidding. Did the college football playoff selection committee get it right? That's the sports question of the day.
1: It is the sports question of the day. We are a college basketball podcast, but it's it obviously is a selection committee in college football. But you want you want my opinion. You want, you want to know what I think about this. I, I'll Tell you what, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll give it to you, but I, th- I think it's time for a for a, for a quick word here. Not from our partners. Oh, God. get him in here.
2: I, I feel like we should have someone who. okay. Patterson, to tell you, go ahead. I'll tell you what, GP. They put together a hell of a television product, and that's what it is, right? Isn't that what's running college sports right now? is the television executives and the college football playoff is nothing but a television product. And when you've got Michigan and Alabama and Texas, which is back in a West Coast presence, because honestly, it didn't even matter if it was Oregon or Washington. We just got to get those television sets in on it And you know what college football, like honestly was never about the national championship. It's about beating your rival. It's about winning your home games. It's about being able to say to your coworkers and to your neighbors, I'm better than you. Like the CFP brain rot that has us all crazy about the college football playoff is absolutely tearing the sport apart. So if it's a television product, you know what they got? They got a great television product with those big brand names. I mean, shoot, it's with Washington going to the Big Ten, with Texas going to the SEC. I mean, it's almost college basketball, right, GP? It's an SEC Big Ten challenge. Did they get the correct four teams? I would have put Florida State in the top four if I was voting on that selection committee because I think the games have to matter. I think that... Um, if you go out and like, for example, Washington was a nine and a half point underdog to Oregon. Mm -hmm. So miss me with all of the like, well, Vegas says this team would be favored. Vegas says these are the best teams because Vegas had Alabama as an underdog. Vegas had Washington as an underdog. Vegas had SMU as an underdog. In fact, this championship weekend had more success for underdogs than most championship weekends, which are usually really chalky. So, I am totally out on the idea that we should be using power ratings as a way to determine who competes for a national championship. But, you know, I I also, like I said at the beginning, the national championship is not at the center of why the Cover 3 podcast goes live for like an hour and 45 minutes at 11.30 p.m. every Saturday night, 14 times during the year. It's because it's that whole sport that we try to embrace. And like, I don't know, like I, I understand the outrage uh, I understand the hurt that Mike Norvell has, the devastation that you would feel if you're Jordan Travis. I mean, I'm sure you saw his tweet. I wish I'd broken my leg earlier so that you could see how good this team is. I mean, that is just like crack your heart open type stuff. but I ultimately, I don't know, man, like maybe I'm a little cynical, but Tom Fernelli said it best on our instant reaction show today. Don't let your disappointment from today like rob you of the joy of the sport because it's not about the national championship. It's about the way you feel on Saturdays. That's okay. Chip Patterson
1: from terminal two at Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> Hollywood international airport, getting ready to fly back home to Raleigh Chip, Thank you so much. And uh, go catch a flight. Goodbye. Hey, JP. Okay. Yeah. JP um, right. didn't know that was coming. I agree with him. Did the committee get it right? It did not. FSU should be in my real quick take on this whole thing. Cause this obviously did dominate the day. Um, asking a committee to do this for four teams versus 68. They are absolutely not apples to apples, uh, but it remains a stain on the sport of college football, which has so many positive and quirky and interesting attributes that you can go undefeated regardless of conference affiliation at the obviously the FBS level and not get the chance to actually play for the biggest trophy in your sport for the highest prestige. FSU got job because of it. All things considered, the committee got it wrong.
0: I agree that with Chip that we should not use power rankings or point spreads to determine who's in a college football playoff. Um, I agree with you that it is a stain on the sport that you can win every game you play and not have a chance to compete for a championship. That's not true in Major League Baseball. It's not true in the NBA. It's not true in the NFL. It's not true in college basketball. It's not true in college baseball. It's not true basically everywhere, except for the sport of college football. Uh, Hopefully, the 12-team playoff that comes next season will uh, alleviate that issue. But all that said, if Florida State got screwed, in my opinion, it got screwed by the size of the playoff. It didn't get screwed by the committee whose job it is. What they keep telling us is to pick the best four teams in the country. Because if you were trying to pick the best four teams in the country with comparable resumes right now, I don't think there's a single person on the planet who believes Florida State is one of the four best teams in the country as currently constructed. And I know Chip says that the games have to matter and I agree with him, but if he were still here, I would ask him, why didn't they matter in 2020 when Cincinnati was undefeated? 2018 when UCF was undefeated. 2017 when UCF is undefeated. Yes, it is true. This is the first time we've ever left a undefeated power five champion out of the college football playoff, but it is not true that we've never left undefeated conference champions out of the um, college football playoff. We've done it six times previously. This is the seventh. If it's okay to do it to Cincinnati, coastal Carolina, San Jose state UCF twice and Western Michigan. Why is it not okay to do it to Florida state using a backup quarterback and clearly not looking like one of the four best teams in the country with a backup quarterback,
1: uh, cover three podcast gets to into this in obviously super deep detail. I wanted to give chip a chance to, uh, talk and, and obviously if you're still, Thirsting for this kind of stuff, they went uh, super deep. I tried to get Fornelli; he had no interest in, in making a camo here. I don't. I don't. I couldn't imagine why that might be the case. There, as for the big picture question of of the committee and what it does, what it's tasked with versus the selection committee, this is a newer thing. It's ten. It's ten years old. It's actually been. It's dodged having this. Um, be a huge issue for most of it. Many people were saying this is the biggest one in general, period. Um, and I was locked in. I'm sure plenty of people watching and listening were, you know, it was something intriguing to follow because it was actually tasked with a really, really difficult decision. Um, I think the biggest thing, and this is really the last thing I have on this, is uh, this damn committee and having a television deal with ESPN does itself in majorly by having a, a release show six weeks leading up to it. If you did not know, like it's also, a, it's if you're going to do that, how about this? This is... Re- You can't say it's going to be the four best and tell me that Georgia's not one of the four best teams in the country, okay? If you're going to... they were inconsistent with it. There had never been a team that went from one on the penultimate rankings down to Georgia six. You're trying to tell me Georgia's the sixth best team in the country. No one believes that. Not a single soul believes Georgia's the sixth best team in the country. Georgia was slated according to its resume. Florida State was clearly not. They used contradicting evidence. I'm sure some people on that committee wanted FSU in and voted FSU in, but that's not what the body at large decided to do. So there was plenty of goalposts moving. And when you only have a a template of four teams, this is where you have. This is fortunately the last time this is going to happen. you should never have a release show to begin with for six weeks in a row because all it does is it sets you up for more even more criticism and in the eyes of some, plenty of failure. That being said, obviously, those are two mammoth matchups a ton of people are going to watch and it probably will be among the three most watched college football playoffs in the 10-year history of the event. As a person who
0: is employed by a television network, I would never blame a television network for making television shows that create revenue and ratings. By the way, we at CBS do
1: it for the college basketball. We do it once and we do it six weeks before the tournament starts. There's a very drastic difference, but we do do it. That's the point. That's correct. We do it. once.
0: Um, Here's the thing. I'll take it a step further. And I should say this. There is nothing I wanted more this college football season than for Florida State to win the national championship. I love Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell is the best football coach in the history of my alma mater. I, um, I, root my, my, I want Memphis football to do as well as Memphis football can do. My second favorite college football team, if, I even, if you label them, is Florida State because of Mike Norvell. So this isn't some anti-Florida State, anti-ACC. I am um, sick for Mike Norvell. And I understand the disappointment he's feeling, the disgust, as he put it, that he's experiencing it. All that all that said, I really don't think this is that even con- that controversial or all you heard for the past 24 hours is how difficult this was going to be. I don't think it's that difficult at all. I correctly predicted the four teams and the order at 643 on Saturday night. And, and because what, and I here's the thing with you. I You just said something that I, I wanted to touch on. You said, um, you can't tell me Georgia isn't one of the best four teams. And I I think if you were to get some power rankings out, you that they would they would tell you the same thing, that Georgia is 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 one of the four best teams in college football. When the committee says we take the four best teams, they are misleading a little bit because the truth is, they take the four best teams after they identify the group of teams with the best resumes. So they look for best resumes, great resumes, and then they go inside there and they try to find the best four teams from that list based on the principles that they have decided are important. And if you just rewind it if you need to and take what I just said and then start going through the process, you get to what they got to pretty easily. For instance, and I'll try to be quick on this, but um at 6:43 last night I assumed Michigan was going to beat Iowa and I assumed either Florida State would lose or Florida State would would win and be undefeated losing they eliminate themselves but I tweeted at 6:43 even if they win it's not hard for me to envision them getting left out at 13 and 0 and a lot of people are like are you crazy why cuz I just looked at the principles and went through it and if you do that here's where you get Michigan was going to beat Iowa and be an undefeated Big Ten champion. That was going to be number one. Washington had already beaten Oregon twice to be an undefeated Pac-12 champion. That was going to be number two. So then we're going to have five teams competing for the final two spots, and those five teams were going to be Florida State, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. Those are the only teams that had a shot. Now we start looking at the principles conference championships one is listed first among the stated principles the committee uses to distinguish between comparable teams and that's important they're not using these principles to distinguish between teams that don't have similar resumes they're only using them to distinguish between teams with comparable uh, comparable resumes so the first one is conference championships are you a conference champion or not that that right there immediately puts texas alabama and florida state over georgia and ohio state so then georgia and ohio state are out No surprise, Georgia ended up sixth in the final rankings. Ohio State was seventh. So now we're looking at three conference champs, Texas, Alabama, Florida State, for two spots. The third principle listed is head-to-head. Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. In my mind, that always meant Texas has got to be ahead of Alabama wherever we go with this thing. So that's why I put Texas at number three. Then we're picking between Alabama and Florida State. And this is where it is important to realize, are you ready for this? In the listed principles, to distinguish between comparable teams is the term the unavailability of key players and as you know Florida State obviously is missing its quarterback and they played the ACC title game with a three-star true freshman third string quarterback who graduated earlier this year from my son's high school simply put if Jordan Travis were available FSU is in and Alabama's out I don't even think that's debatable but he's not available and that's that it really is that simple and I don't I, I like it's one of those deals where I tweeted what I tweeted and then I got so much pushback. I was like, Jesus, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But it was just go look at the principles. It's all right there for you.
1: I, I still would have had a FSU in. I understand the, the, uh, the arguments to the contrary.
0: They don't. Um, they, don't they, they They in the principles,
1: we need I know, to- I get it. And then and even that the people, you know, would disagree with the principles period. Should the principles even exist when it comes to that kind of stuff? Uh, even Pomeroy tweeted uh, similar thoughts on this, and he's done so in basketball as well.
0: But we've done it with basketball too, and it wasn't controversial.
1: Yeah, it's, it is definitely apples to oranges. But yes, and, and tell and, me how, why, why is it apples to oranges? Because one sport has a 12 game sample size and is very, very, very team dependent. Another one uses five players on the floor at the same time and is much more individually talented dependent. And you are literally deciding between one team competing for a national championship and another using a lead line. Seems pretty clear to me how that's apples and oranges.
0: Um, you don't think a quarterback can be as important to a football team? I don't as, think as the that best basketball Cincinnati
1: player? got left out of the NCAA tournament and Florida State did, therefore apples to oranges. No,
0: but the committee did look at Cincinnati in 2000 without Kenya Martin and said, we no longer think you're one of the four best teams in the country. You got one of the four best resumes. If you had Kenya Martin, we think you're the number one overall seed, but you don't have him. And we no longer think you're one of the four teams. That's exactly what they said to Florida State. You no longer have your quarterback. And we no longer think you're one of the four best teams.
1: All right. you heard from Gary Parish the same exact thing. Apples to apples.
0: I didn't say same exact thing. I said the logic is, 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 is the same thing. We're looking at you without this key player. And we no longer think you're one of the four best teams in the country. They did it to Cincinnati in 2000 in the NCAA basketball tournament. And they did it to Florida State earlier today in the college football playoff.
1: All right. I'm going to tell Bud Bud Elliott, you're coming for his job. Bud, listen to to the Cover 3 podcast for all of your CFP reaction needs, by the way.
0: I'm proud of the committee. I hate it for Mike Norvell. I hate it for Florida State. It's possible to feel two things at the same time. Um, Disappointment for Florida State, but also an appreciation for a committee, regardless of what you think of their job, as described, They did what they say they're supposed to do. All right, let's get to the hardwood. Number one, Purdue lost Friday night, which Norlander had on in a solo pod late Friday. If you missed it, go check that out. Who's going to be number one now when the AP poll updates Monday? Who should it be? I'm going to ask Deadleg that next. But first, a word from our partners. Number one, Purdue lost Friday night at Northwestern. So that's the second time so far this season that the number one team in the AP poll has been beaten. First, number one, Kansas by Marquette. Now, number one, Purdue by Northwestern. Who should be number one when the AP poll updates Monday? Who will it be? I think it will be and should be Arizona. Do you agree?
1: I think it will be and it should be Arizona. I got a trivia time right now for you. Most recent year in which Arizona was number one was when? Uh, DeAndre Ayton's year. It is, you have to go back further than that. 2014 was the last time the Arizona Wildcats were number one in the AP Top 25. Uh, It would be a sunner if it wasn't. Really, this is, it gets down to Arizona versus Kansas. Um, if you're a dedicated podcast listener to the feed, yes, I did a quickie pod. Although I would, if you've got thoughts, GP, I'm up for your thoughts on either of those games. They were, they were pretty, they were. Big enough to, to do a, a quick reaction one. Um, Kansas is is in the discussion for this because of, by virtue of winning a top five matchup, it was on its home floor. Uh, I do want to credit Adam Sullivan with an outrageous stat that I didn't mention on that show. So Friday was the twenty sixth time that Kansas hosted a top ten team under Bill Self. You know, at Allen Fieldhouse, it has been the worst ranked team in thirteen of those games, and it is thirteen and zero. So. Top 10 games, 26 times. It's been the worst team half the time. And it won every single damn time. Um, KU, I would think is going to be number two, but where it sat in the poll or where it sits here on Sunday night, GP going into Monday, Arizona yet to lose the two, two biggest wins have come against teams that have questions. Michigan state at Duke. We will get to Duke shortly. Of course we will. Um, blue devils just took a second straight loss. Um, But KU sitting at seven and one yet again, they do this like clockworks. KU started seven and one or better 10 seasons in a row. Um, I I guess I'm here to hear a case, but to me, I think it, it should be. And I think that it will be Tommy Lloyd's Arizona Wildcats who sit at number one and how long that lasts really. I mean, they might not get out another week or two because they've got big games still to come here. Later this uh later this month, big picture beyond who should be number one, which which of those teams do I trust more? I actually think I do narrowly trust Arizona a tad bit more than Kansas to this point. I think they've given us slightly more reason to trust him, uh, but both are very very good teams. And you know, Ku preseason number one, Arizona has established itself as a viable national contender.
0: I don't think it's a no brainer uh, that Arizona has to be number one, but I b- do believe Arizona will be number one, and I think Arizona should be number one. I did move the Wildcats to number one in the top 25 and one for whatever it's worth. They are currently the only undefeated team with multiple wins over schools. Also ranked in the top 25 and one right now, they've beaten Duke, which I now have at 19 and Michigan state, which I have at 20. Um, I only dropped Purdue to number two after that loss. But Purdue's got three wins over top 15 kimpom teams right now. Nobody else has more than two. So Purdue's got better wins than anybody else. You can make an argument for Kansas, but Kansas does not have three wins over top 15 Kimbom teams right now. Purdue does. So if that can decide something for you, there's the information. I, I've got it: Arizona, Purdue, Kansas in that order, followed by Houston and UConn uh, at, at number five. And that does not mean I necessarily think Arizona is the best team in the country right now. It's just I'm, I'm going to respect the zero in the loss column. I'm going to respect the – the The fact that they are the only undefeated team with uh, multiple wins over schools also ranked in the top 25 and one as of today. And that's good enough to get them to the top of the top 25 and one. For rank, me.
1: rank it real quick. I don't know if you had an extended thought there. I can tee you up on something else real quick. You got more? Mm, no. Okay. Um, We've had, so we had 13 ranked teams lose last week. And then this past week leading up to the Sunday, uh, I think we might have twelve, maybe thirteen again. Uh You know, so one expect to, uh, you know, there's going to be shakeups on Monday's thing. But um yeah, you get a little bit of a cross signal and noise here with when it comes to ranking some of these teams. You know, some of these results because uh, we've moved past that initial two week, two two to three week opening where you get a weird one, drop in ten spots, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's more like you know losing at northwestern will be open to different kinds of interpretation from ap voters some may, yeah, some may yeah. produce severely uh some may not um but i i just wanted to at least see where you're at when it comes to yeah it.
0: um i was at a three-year-old birthday party earlier today and happy birthday to mary and um a fellow there asked me he said you know when you rank these teams every day does it get um, harder as the season goes on? And I said, no, it gets easier as the season goes on because you've got more data to work with. you got more stuff so that when Michigan State loses to James Madison, you don't go, oh my God, they, 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 they just opened with a loss to James. What do you do with this? The, the 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 computers say this is one of the 10 best teams in the country, but they're, you know, they just lost at home to James Madison. How do you handle that? As you get deeper into the season, you have, if you're a good team, you're going to have wins to help offset losses that make you go what and for Purdue they like they've got those again they've got three wins over top 15 kimpom teams right now so of course on Saturday morning I update the top 25 and one and uh folks go oh Purdue can lose at Northwestern and only drop a spot for the millionth time I'll, buddy I tell you what I might as well be tweeting out uh, uh chemistry every morning for some people because I never seen t- I, I, I'm not saying people don't ever sometimes have valid questions with the top 25 and one. But, buddy, I'm telling you about 90% of the tweets are just idiotic stuff. Um, people get real caught up on, my team lost three weeks ago and dropped six spots. This team lost last night and only dropped two. How could you do that? Well, the, the, the circumstances are different, dummy. Yeah, they, they, always. Always. So, Purdue, you. all I'm trying to do every morning is, 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 particularly when you get a month in like this, is is respect the results and try to get an order that makes sense. And i never care about how much somebody drops relative to somebody else. I simply look, okay, this team lost. How far should it drop? You start luing that on Saturday morning. You look at Purdue's wins. You look at Purdue's one loss, an OT loss on the road to a, a good enough Northwestern team. It's like, okay, who deserves to be ahead of them? Arizona undefeated with multiple top 25 wins. I'll go with them. Who else? Simply put, as of Saturday morning, I didn't think anybody needed to be ranked ahead of Purdue other than Arizona. So I only dropped Purdue down one. But um, yes, you clearly run into some spots where it is it, it it can be confusing for folks, and it's subjective. Obviously, it's a ranking of basketball teams. But uh, you know, I get through it every day. You know, you could you, you hit send on uh on the top twenty five and one, you tweet it, and then you go play golf and don't worry about it. But yeah, I, have,
1: I have Kansas had a. Uh, Purdue is helped by uh, a lot of noise in the top 10 overall with its standing. Um, and I think there's... It's the first loss. Um, Northwestern was the first... Had this. I didn't mention this on Friday. So via Northwestern. So the, the... Northwestern was the third team to ever beat the same school at AP number one in back-to-back years at home. Only the third team ever do it. Northwestern's the first one to do that, but being unranked in both of those games. Just a huge, huge accomplishment there. And... Uh, if if you know if the, uh, if the doubters are going to come out heavy with Purdue right now, I get it. It is just the first loss. It is a league game. It is on the road. Um, and we'll see. Your latest evidence that rebound margin is not a signaling statistic to victory, by the way, or losing. Purdue out-rebounded Northwestern 25 times and still did not win. Edie went for 35 and 14. Didn't matter. Boo-booey? He's on his way to playing to a first-team All-Big Ten kind of level. You know, 31 points, nine assists, zero turnovers. Raise
0: your hand if you had Boo Booey as a preseason All-American.
1: Did you? I did. Third team. Good on you, buddy. That's a great call because he is pacing toward that. Also via Northwestern, he's the first high major player. And I'm assuming they got this from sports reference. But he's the first high major player since 2010-11 to go for 30 or more in a game. Nine or more assists in a game with no turnovers. He did that against Purdue. It wasn't just him. Uh, Ty Berry, Ryan Langborn. They are forming something good there. Um, good on Northwestern. I don't know if this will be enough to get him in the polls or not, but, uh, but Purdue, I would think, is going to probably, probably hold firm in the top five when that refreshes Monday.
0: Um, yeah, so if you care, the top 10 of the top 25 and one right now, Arizona, one. Number two, Purdue. Number three, Kansas. Number four, Houston. Number five, UConn. Number six, Baylor. Number seven, Marquette. Eight, Gonzaga. Nine, Colorado State. And 10, Florida Atlantic. Um, I've got Tennessee. This is one that really drives people crazy. How could you have Tennessee at 13th? They are, uh, what's Tennessee's record now? Four and three. Well, they're four and three with three losses, either on neutral courts or on the road against teams ranked higher than them. What about Tennessee having three losses to teams ranked in my top 12, which suggests that Tennessee can't
1: be thirteen. (laughs) people get people really struggle with it well at some point i guess the results on on, compound have to matter so i if you i I mean but but, but again
0: yeah if they had if they take another loss to somebody who then i i can't understand how somebody has an issue with a team being ranked behind only teams that it has lost to and ahead of everybody else what is the problem with that
1: it's called fan emotion, baby and that fan emotion. It's people to listen to the podcast. So I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, oh, I, I, and, and, and by the way, I, I can't take your ranking seriously. Just so, just so we can't take this list seriously. I can't. can't take this list. seriously. Hey, Hey, college football selection committee. I can't take your list.
0: seriously. Okay. See, like here's Elliot being a dummy in the chat. Okay. Like, listen, if you don't want me to call you a dummy, then just keep quiet. You don't have to participate in this. You can just listen and watch. You don't have to try to join things. If you want to, uh, then, then this way they lost to North Carolina, North Carolina's ranked lower. Not in the top 25 and one, they're not. Right now, North Carolina is ahead of Tennessee. I've got North Carolina 12 and Tennessee 13. There what do go. you not understand? Why is it so hard for people?
1: Ah, what, what do you want me to say?
0: I just want you to answer the questions. I, I can't. What, what about I'm Tennessee, Tennessee having losses to I'm telling Kansas, you. Purdue, and North Carolina, all of which are ranked ahead of them? Is it, What about that is absurd?
1: nothing i guess i got no i got no huge issue with it vols just don't lose to george mason or gp might drop you all the way down to 17 that's all
0: i'll punish you when you deserve when you lose to somebody that i don't have ahead of you buddy you're in trouble but so far tennessee has not done that what are you going to do plus i like orange can't you see my shirt
1: i do but you prefer syracuse orange to tennessee i'll remind our listeners i do I do prefer
0: Syracuse's orange to Tennessee's orange, but I just like orange in general. Hey, Villanova, Duke, and Kentucky—yeah, all lost as double-digit favorites on Saturday. These are three programs that have combined to win 16 NCAA tournaments, and they all lost as double-digit favorites this weekend. It's not good. We'll get into that next. First, one more word from our partners. So, Villanova, Duke, and Kentucky—three programs. Three of the biggest programs in the sport. They combined to win 16 NCAA tournaments. All lost this in The teams uh, that were ranked outside of the top 125 at Kempom Palm at tipoff. Final scores: Georgia Tech 72, Duke 68. Blue Devils closed as a 12 and a half point favorite. UNC Wilmington 80, Kentucky 73. Wildcats closed as a 17 and a half point favorite. Drexel 57, number 18 Villanova at the time 55. Villanova closed as a 10 and a half point favorite. Duke, Kentucky, Villanova, dead leg. Which of these teams are you most concerned about?
1: This is the current, uh, this is the chat poll question. I, we had Purdue in there as well. Which result, big picture, carries the most significance? Um, so I'll refresh that at the end of the segment here. Villanova, Duke, Kentucky, oh, by the way. All teams ranked in preseason, all expected to be better from a season ago. So not just you know bl- three blue bloods, recent championships. It's, it was more about what the setup for. Um, I would I would order it. I would go Nova, then Duke, then Kentucky. But having said that, um, Kentucky is my last one, and I want to get to each of these games here. Kentucky's the only one that lost on its home floor. Nova lost at Wells Fargo, but it was the it was the inaugural Big Five Classic and uh, shouts to St. Joe's, by the way, the official winner of that. Um, uh, Kentucky's the only one that lost on its home floor. The Finn is Villanova's home floor. Duke lost on the road. For me, it's Nova because, first of all, it's the first time Villanova has been felled by Drexel, Penn, St. Joe's in the same year. It had never happened. This was only Drexel's second win ever over Villanova. The other one came back in 06, 07. Um, Justin Moore was a non-factor uh, four points. Didn't shoot well. Mark Armstrong. He cannot continue to be this much of a no-show. He is a really. Uh, he's a he's a player with a really good ceiling. Um, and and I know that Kyle T- Neptune knows that he is just waiting to come out of his shell. But he can't. He they he can't continue to not be productive. They need Mark Armstrong to be better. Um, Villanova shot just thirty-three percent from the floor and made five of its twenty-seven three-point shots. GP. I would say this is a – I think crisis is too much, but you cannot be the coach at Villanova and continue to lose this many games against mid-major teams. The fan base, rightfully so, is going to get really noisy and isn't going to tolerate this kind of stuff. No no shot, man. So to me – and I do want to get to the other two, and I, I would agree if anyone said, hey, look, Duke and Kentucky losing are the, are the louder ones – to me, and if you even want to throw Purdue in, I think I'd put, I think I'd put Purdue just ahead of Kentucky, um, even though that one was on the road. Uh, but the Nova one for me, we have a pattern has been established here. And to drop a game, big five game, Wells Fargo against Drexel, that one's for me. What about for you? I think
0: I agree. And it's not just because Villanova lost this weekend to Drexel. It's that since Kyle Neptune has taken over, Villanova has been doing stuff like this nonstop. Um, I tweeted this a few weeks back when Villanova lost a pin. Um, That right now, Kyle Neptune has coached 43 games at Villanova to this moment. He's coached 43 times at Villanova. And he has already lost to six sub 100 Kimpom teams. Six times in 43 games has Villanova lost to a sub 100 Kimpom team since Kyle Neptune took over. Now, that might not mean anything to you without context, but here's another fact Jay Wright only lost two times in his final 321 games as Villanova's coach to a sub 100 Kimpom team. Two times. In 321 games, Cal Neptune has lost six times in only 43. What do you make of that?
1: Uh, I make of it that it can't continue if uh, if Neptune doesn't want the the seat to get warm. I, I cannot see personally, um, given Neptune's longstanding relationship with that university, um, and I think that Villanova is going to you know Villanova has been good against everyone but Philadelphia schools. I actually I actually I could see a situation where. Nova does well for itself in the Big East and, you know, third, fourth. I think they're still well for itself by definition. And you've got this weird blip and they get into the tournament and, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't think that there's, you know, any change after a year or two. I just can't see that situation playing out. However, um, you carry this like we do. If we're doing a December episode in 2024 about this kind of stuff as well, Villanova fans. And, you know, the people around the program, the administration, rightfully so, like you want to maintain you. Dominated the big east. And the play hasn't started yet. So we'll see what happens here in year two. But once it got reformed, you became the big kid on the block. Right now, that is UConn, right? Now, that is Marquette. Villanova's not at that table at the moment. This season was about getting back to that point. So don't mess around and find out. And we'll see. I still like the roster. I still like what they've got there, but I would say that was the most urgent. I would say Duke is two. So Georgia Tech. Gets two wins over ranked teams this week, credit to Dame One is Mississippi State, although Mississippi State just lost on Sunday at home to Southern. So the, even that win gets a little bit taken off. Um, that was among the worst losses of any team. this weekend we had a ton of upsets, just a ton of upsets. Oh from-
0: god! Uh, first up, before Mississippi State lost it, lost to Southern. I ain't heard a thing. Internet's out in Starkville. Apparently. Okay, all right. I ain't all heard right? a thing. It's spreading. Okay. okay, I ain't heard a thing. Okay, the internet. But but, but all morning all. I don't want to exaggerate. It wasn't all morning. I was bombarded, but like multiple people. GP, when Mississippi State lost to Georgia Tech, you removed them from the top twenty-five and one. Why don't you hold that? Why don't you hold Duke to the same standard? Well, you want to know the truth? I dropped Duke further than I dropped Mississippi State. It's just that Duke was in the top ten or wherever Duke was. So, like, well, you be, Mississippi State was like twenty-fifth and lost to Georgia Tech. So you get them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah is it really I mean, hard for people to understand why if the 25th team loses to georgia tech they're probably out but if but when the 10th ranked team does it they might not slip all the way out is that hard for people to understand you,
1: just, you can't reason with these people what do you want from me um so no you did drop duke appropriately so and then they go and they lose like they didn't have well first of all they didn't have tyrese proctor he barely played a minute lower leg injury we'll see what's what's going on there um Real quick on tech, I wanted to give at least credit for this. This is a program that got doubled up last year by Duke, 40 86 to forty-three. So they lost by forty-three points. They come around, they beat them in the in the in the in the in the opener there. The program is two and sixteen the last eighteen times they played Duke. So Damon Stoudemire, that's that's big time stuff early. That so credit to Georgia Tech for getting the win. This game, by the way, was on the CW, um, which I found it, but uh, but I got to get used to that. So it's a, it's another channel to add. And I know the football fans were well ahead of this with the ACC and the CW, but uh, but the CW is a, is a thing. Um, I tell you what, though. It's not a good sign for Duke, even without Proctor. Okay? Like, Georgia Tech didn't shoot well from three-point range, uh, but yet it led this game for more than 34 minutes. It had better ball movement, was better on defense, had better shot selection, better foul shooting numbers, and in getting to the line, um, they did this, and they did not have one second chance point in this game to Georgia Tech. So... For Duke now to have been... Oh, by the way, been blocked 18 total times in his most recent two road games. Arkansas and now Georgia Tech. That's alarming. Philipowski, I would say for him, it was a subpar kind of day. And Shire is now 4-8 and eight on the road. Uh, they're two road games. And you got to go to Arkansas, turnaround, quick turnaround, league opener. I, I get it. But if you're Duke and you're for real and you're preseason top five, you're not losing both of these games. It did. And so... Now, Shire, by nature of these two losses happening, Parrish, when they did in such close quarters, and they're both two unranked teams at the time they came. Now, they're both on the road. I get it. Um, this is how you get some noise kind of, you know, perking up. And we mentioned this, I think, earlier in, in the season. Shire's done an incredible job recruiting. But the other end of that sword is that if you do that and you continue to win on that, which, of course, that's going to continue to happen. Why wouldn't it? Um don't go! Don't go! Be losing, you know, twice as many games as you as you win on the road, and that's the case in his young career right now. Um, I, I think they'll probably get things figured out. And I want to be specific on this because I think you know sometimes commentators can just say this kind of stuff and be broad. By figure things out specifically, what I'm referring to is Duke can get it together to where it is a top three team in the ACC um, and make the second weekend of the tournament, which it, which it didn't did last year. What were your impressions of that game? And, uh, and what we have or don't have with Duke right now.
0: Well, you lose Proctor early, that matters, right? If you're looking for an excuse or an explanation or, you know, it, I guess it could be both, um, you, you know, you can start there. I, I am more concerned about Villanova than I am Duke, if only because like Villanova, as, as you put it, has, a, you know, they, they were dominating the Big East under Jay Wright for a long period of time. Now, it did come after the Big East sort of broke up, but, but whatever. you get, go, go look at the Wikipedia page. It is one title after another. They've gone Villanova with one coaching change from dominating the Big East to getting dominated in the Big Five. That's not good. All right? Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned there. I'm not as concerned at Duke, but it is undeniable. Like, you know, we don't have to lie to each other. This is the second straight year where people go, man, look at Duke's roster. They're set up to be great. and. It, you know, then we start playing games, and we go, "What's wrong with Duke? Why
1: mm-hmm. ain't
0: they winning more? Why are they losing so much?" Now they did figure it out last year,
1: and they, they had got, injuries last year. To yeah, start. yeah, there was a lot of stuff. That's Derek awful. Lively really took tough.
0: a while to get going. They had injuries. They, they've. Had, they, it, there is actually a lot of. It's very easy to look at the details of last season at Duke and go, "Well, yeah, this is why they took a while to get it going." You know, their best freshman prospect was a role player all year really um and who's by the way been pretty good in the nba so far but like he was not a great college basketball player at least not early and he never got anywhere close to where he was supposed to be at least projected to be coming into the season so there was a lot of hey if you really if you really are you if you're if you're sincerely asking hey can you tell me what's wrong with duke well yeah i can boom 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 and in fairness to Kyle Neptune, he played much of last season without Justin Moore, right? There's always a lot of stuff that contributes to this. But all that said, this is still true. Duke was considered among the top three favorites in the country in the preseason to win the national championship. And now Duke is 5-3 and three with a loss at home to Arizona and two losses to unranked teams. Those are just facts. That's not great.
1: Th- they are facts. And there's still more to come with Duke later this uh excuse me, later this month where it can redeem itself or it can make this to be an even bigger story. If it doesn't, if it doesn't pull this out because they've got Baylor, the big one is Baylor The next two should not be pushes. Although they're not bad. Mid-major teams. They've got Charlotte next weekend, the weekend. And then they've got Hofstra after that, which is actually a quality CAA team. And then they've got Baylor at the garden. I plan on being hand uh, on hand for that. Let's get to Kentucky right now, GP, the poll results, Which big picture, which loss is carrying the most significance? Kentucky is winning the poll, 35%. Duke at 30%. Nova, 18%. Purdue at 17%. But Kentucky is winning it. Now, Kentucky, again, lost the game at home. UNC Wilmington's first win over a ranked road team in its history. The only other one came in the uh, 2002 NCAA tournament under Jerry Wainwright. So only two wins ever over ranked opponents. That was Southern Cal back 21 years ago. This is a good team. I just mentioned Hofstra. The top of the CAA is actually going to be pretty good. So uh, I'm going to say that the winner of that league is going to be probably a 13 seed. So this could actually... It could age decently in this regard. If you told me it was a quad three and not a quad four, I think that's on the table there. But regardless, you don't want this loss, period. Uh, Trezarian White was a beast. Uh, I was dialed into this entire, basically from about the 15 or 14-minute mark of the first half to the end of it. uh, I was locked in there. White had 27 points, 10 rebounds. And I want to give a shout out to the guys. That's If you're a mid-major team and you come up big in in a place like Rupp Arena, hell yeah, I'm going to give you a shout out. Donovan Newby had 15 points. Shrakeem Phillips had 13. Takeo Siddle is a really good coach and he will get a job promotion sooner than later if indeed he is seeking that. Uh, UNCW led this game, GP, for more than 35 minutes and outscored Kentucky's bench 46-5. to I know that DJ Wagner didn't play in the game, so, you know... Similar to the Duke thing, they didn't have a pretty heralded person in their backcourt available for this. I don't care. If you're Kentucky and you're at home and you're playing a mid-major opponent, zero excuse ever for getting out scored 46 to 5 on the bench. Should never happen. Reed Shepard, he had 25 and 6. Yet again, Reed Shepard's out there looking like he's trying to carry this whole team. How about this though? Here's what's damning. And I'm not running off of what I said. I still buy Kentucky big picture and what it's doing. It might take. A little while more to figure this out, but I still like what I'm seeing if the the loss is bad. However, you want alarming? Here we go. Kentucky went into the game shooting 42.6% from beyond the arc, which was top five in the country. It shot 29% against UNCW. It went into the game shooting 28 threes per game, by far the most ever under Cal. It only got off 17 from behind the three-point line on Saturday. It went into the game averaging 94.4 points, which was third best in the sport. UNCW held Kentucky to 73, so more than 20 points lower than what it normally gets. And then going into the game, Kentucky, on average, was committing just 13.6 fouls per game, the lowest in the SEC, had 19. So I to me, that's representative of Siddle and his staff having a great game plan, the team executing, uh, in addition to holding Dillingham to only two points, who had a couple of just Bonehead fouls, like you just don't need them. How he committed them, uh, Brad Aaron Bradshaw made his debut. He's going to get need time to get adjusted there. Reeves fouled out. Trey Mitchell had four. Um, I don't think I can't even believe I'm saying this because I I know how critical and we've been on we've <laughs> we've been on Cal's ass plenty over the past however long with this. I guess I like the personnel so much that I think there is a healthy chance that we will look up in the middle of January, late January, Parish. And see a Kentucky team in, in in charge in that in that conference, or if not, right there. Um, but if you're a Kentucky fan and you kind of got like, "Whoa, what do we got here?" I, I get that, but I for whatever reason, I'm just not as I'm not as there there as I might be with Duke or Nova. Yeah, I'm same. And may, maybe that makes no sense. What maybe we'll look back and
0: go, "Oh, buddy, we, we it's, yeah, it's it's entirely possible." Let's because mean. it's undeniable. On Saturday, the worst loss was the Kentucky loss. It was the one that was at home. It was the one with the biggest point spread. They were, and Yeah, no D.J. Wagner. Guess who knew that? The odds makers. Still made him a 17.5 point favorite without D.J. Wagner against UNC Wilmington. And uh, they lose the game. UNC Wilmington entered at 145th at Ken Palm. Had already taken losses to Appalachian State and East Carolina. And yet, when I watched it, you know, and even the post-game press conference, John, John didn't seem that concerned. He was just like, I don't, you know, I, we just didn't play the way we've been playing. I don't really know, you know. Um, they got nothing from the perimeter in terms of shooting from anybody but Reed Shepard. Reed was good again, like you said, twenty-five points. Uh, Kentucky's players not named Reed Shepard were two of eleven from three, so they didn't shoot the ball well. They didn't get enough around Reed Shepard. We were wondering if he's their best player. It, you know, it, it, it's starting to become less of a question. He's fabulous. Um, But yeah, for whatever reason, I'm more concerned about Villanova, even though Villanova's loss from a points perspective was, was more, um, was more understandable. Uh, We'll, we'll, you know, this is maybe, maybe we'll look back and go, that was the first sign that Kentucky's youth was really going to struggle. Or maybe we'll look back and go, Hey, Kentucky was really young. That's what happened that day. But then as they got older and gained experience, they, they started to rid themselves of, of those types of awful outcomes as, as always. We'll see, but I don't walk out of the weekend going, Oh, watch out. Kentucky might miss the NCAA tournament. I, that, that's not where I'm at yet.
1: Yeah. Our audience is usually good about this stuff. Someone find us in, uh, in say eight weeks when we've forgotten all about this and, and let us know. Like, I'm, I'd be curious when we look up, okay. You had Purdue, Kentucky, Nova, Duke, all losing, uh, all, you know highly ranked preseason teams and all the expectations and and how their seasons went off went off from there um all right you want to whip around this bad boy uh yeah, whip around yeah let's whip around here we go uh wisconsin 75 marquette Third ranked Marquette, another ranked team that took a loss. But this was uh, this is, of course, the Dairyland Duel. Yeah, I'm giving it that name. OK, you can do your Egg Bowl. Bedlam.
0: No, it's the Egg Bowl Bedlam.
1: Just take anyone listening. Take either one. I don't care. But we need an actual name for this thing. No, we've established it. It's Egg Bowl Bedlam. A gentleman
0: it's- tweeted me and said he was taking an Egg Bowl Bedlam sign to. Marquette, Wisconsin.
1: I if that, that happened, I'd love a picture of it. Need, we need that photo. So if that indeed happened, please, please show it to us. Uh, Badgers are on How a phone. about this?
0: You send me a picture of you standing in an arena with an Egg Bowl Bedlam poster, and that will become, for one week, The avatar of the Island College Basketball
1: Podcast. All right. I'm I'm completely fine with that. Badgers are on a five-game winning streak. They got up 13 at the half. Uh, Marquette did close it to a one-point margin late in the second half, but uh, Wisconsin was poised, uh, played well, great drawing fouls, making the freebies. Max Klesman scorching in the first half. He had 21, all 21 of his points in the first uh, 20 minutes there. It's the first three-game win streak by either one of these teams in the Dairyland Duel or Egg Bowl Um, Bethlehem since 2001. Gonzaga beat USC. I was looking forward to this one, GP. Oh gosh. How about this ridiculous stat? Gonzaga won 8976. nine seventy has one 16 in a row versus Pac-12 teams. That's a joke, man. The league won't even invite Gonzaga to join. Well, the, when it existed, I guess. Yeah. Gonzaga killed the Pac-12. People don't talk about that. I, I, you know what? It's it, it you have nailed it right there, bullseye. People think that you USC and UCLA and then Oregon and Washington killed the Pac-12. No. Gonzaga laid the groundwork for that years before. 16 in a row? They got Washington upcoming, too. They can make that 17. Ryan Nemhard and Dusty Stromer each had 15. Zags never trailed in this game. Boogie Ellis shouts to him. He continues to play well. 25 and 7 boards. I will say this on Isaiah Collier. He had 14. And if you watch the game from start to finish, this was the number one rated prospect coming in. I obviously gassed him up plenty. He needs to put more of his game together. Uh, he does not look like a top 50 player in the sport right now. And if you're the number one ranked prospect, USC is going to need you to be a top 50 player in the sport to be be in position to compete at the top of the Pac-12, and be in position to compete to make the second weekend of the tournament. He's young. I'm giving him plenty of plenty of room to grow there, but uh, he's not he's not as along as I thought he would be at this point in the season. In uh, your neck of the woods, GP, Mississippi, eighty, Memphis, seventy seven, raucous environment, really, really good watch. Um, Jalen Murray, Matthew Morel, and Alf Flanagan, excuse me, all combined for sixty points. Ole Miss is seven and O. Oh. Ultimately, uh, Memphis was 3 of 18 from three-point range. That's what did it in. And Javon Memphis. Quinterly took a runner with three seconds. Like, buddy. I, I wasn't go- – you know what? It's worth bringing up, but it was – it was such a – it was – and I understand, like, a, like Saturday was nuts, man. So that game can get lost in the shuffle. But I'm just telling you, as I was following all this, my volume was highest on the on the Memphis-Mississippi game because that was the best watch in the moment there. And for it to end with just uh, what are you doing – it was just a bummer. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't care who wins. Just give me a thrilling end. And that was just kind of a, eh. by the way, it, it, it looked m- like he just did. He thought he was at the buzzer and he still had three seconds I left.
0: Know. But if you yeah. think you're at the buzzer and you still got three seconds left, well, you've messed up.
1: Correct. Yes, I know. It was it weird play for a player that's been a, that's been playing college ball for 11 years. To right. make that call. That's what I, that's all I'm saying. Memphis, by the way, I didn't realize this uh, until I was checking afterward it's in the midst of a six-game stretch now where it's playing away from home. Mm -hmm. So it's 2-2 and right now, and it has roadies against VCU and and A&M forthcoming the next seven days, so it's a Pretty pivotal stretch here for, for Memphis to so let one get away. Old Miss will be ranked, I would have to believe, on Monday when the polls refresh. Um, we've had some Carolina presence in the chat here, so I am going to mention Tar Heels, 78, Florida State, 70. UNC was down double digits at home to FSU, then unfurled a 21-0 run to win. Heels are 7-1, and one, and I think actually UNC could jump into the top 10 on Monday's AP Top 25 refresh because of the of all the tumult with all the rankings uh, and teams that are ranked that were taking losses. We'll wait and see on that. Just a few more here. Um, Oregon, near buzzer beater home win, 86-83. to N.O.T. over Michigan. Freshman Jackson Shellstead took a... No, 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 yes! Three-pointer from about 30 feet out to clinch it and prevent a three-game losing streak. Michigan, meantime, four and four. Juwan Howard has returned to the bench, but Phil Martelli is still the acting head coach. Who knows? Um, we pushed on a final. I don't four know why one. more coaches don't do that. Just
0: be like, listen, I'm the head coach. I'm the guy making four million. But like you do the work, you do the work. I'll say I'll be I'll be down here if you need me.
1: Out of respect for Juwan Howard, the man did have heart surgery. So I'm not going to second guess any. any oh, of I'm not second
0: guessing. Game. I'm <laughs> applauding. OK, applauding. I think it's brilliant.
1: OK, uh, we pushed on a final four in one game. Colorado State, 86, Washington, 81. Rams scooted out in the final minute to remain without a scratch on the schedule. My sworn enemy, Nico Medved. How dare you? Um, Clemson, 78, Pit 70. Are you going to rank Clemson on Monday? No. Dude, come on. 7-0? Clemson 7-0. will be. How about this? Clemson's going to be right 7-0. Ranked. You sound like a Florida State football fan. You, you better believe it. Ha, has not been this good in 15 years from a record standpoint. Um, okay. Clemson,
0: you don't rank somebody because they
1: haven't been this good trivia, in 15 years. Trivia time. <laughs> trivia time. Clemson is 7-0 okay. with two road wins over high major teams. Who are the other two teams right now? Power conference teams, two road wins over fellow power conference teams. Alabama and Pitt. <laughs> Not quite.
0: What What did you say?
1: Clemson has two yeah. road wins. Clemson is a power conference team. It is one of three That's teams in the, in the Big Six structure that has two wins over fellow Big Six programs. There are two other ones. Who are those two? Oh,
0: teams? I thought you were asking me for the teams, and I said Alabama and Pitt.
1: Those are the ones no, that got
0: it. <laughs> got
1: it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So who would it be? Uh, Purdue and Kansas. No, incorrect. They, w- true roadwinds. Oh. One of them is Missouri, one at Minnesota and Pitt, Pitt obliging. Uh, the other one, Creighton. Creighton walked in. No, I strolled. Mm, doesn't sound right. Strutted? You shouldn't even be allowed to do inside Grant's- Pinnacle Bank what Creighton did inside Pinnacle Here Bank. Dare I say, swanked into Pinnacle Bank Arena. You want the score? Go and check for yourself. What's the point? I already told you what was going to happen on Friday. You know who picked Nebraska. Um,
0: I just felt the magic of Pinnacle Bank would be alive, and it just, man, it wasn't at I all. I told
1: you the whole time. Okay. Uh, App, App State won over Auburn 69-64. Credit to Bruce Pearl for scheduling the game. Um, this is the conference that's, that, that got uh, a team in over Florida State in the college football playoff. Sure, because then Southern won at Mississippi State as well, 60-59. to That's a rare, that is a rare Two seed line loss, by the way. And I'm not and I'm not saying that for a humorous effect. That that will Oh, okay. You just scared me. What?
0: Because you were like, Auburn lost to Appalachian State, and I'm like, Oh God, did I miss that? Yes, because
1: Auburn is in the top twenty-five and one. That that happened on Sunday. Okay. Well then yes. they gotta go. They, they gotta will, go. They will go. <laughs> okay.
0: So I got to find a new team for the top 25 and
1: one. It's Clemson. All right. You want it to be Clemson? Yes. Hey, at what point do I have to respect James Madison? I, that is well. No, I, listen, if it's me, it's not my rankings, whatever. I'm finding a way to get Clemson. No, no. starting JMU, tomorrow, they're yours. You could starting tomorrow. I'm
0: going to be like Jawan Howard. Not. I'm going to be like Jawan Howard.
1: There's okay? no chance. No, I will not I'm be I'm going to hand it off to you. you. I'll, I'll sit here happening. and watch you. No, this is not happening. I would put Clemson, JMU, And the team with the most road wins and the most wins away from home so far this season, Princeton, I would have them all ranked right now. Princeton, one of four teams that I think is 8-0, has absolutely earned it. And per Ken Palm, Princeton won at the buzzer over Furman this weekend. Per Ken Palm, it is Princeton, not Houston, that has the best chance to go undefeated for the rest of the season as of right now. Almost certainly not going to happen in the regular season. But, but, credit to Princeton. Oh, by the way, did you see the game? The other Ivy one, Yale UVM, Vermont. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Okay. Real quick on this. Cause I don't think I don't think we will have a game the rest of the season from a win percentage, win probability standpoint that will be higher on one side and just pendulum swing more violently in the final seconds in this one. So Yale's playing at Vermont, Patrick Gymnasium where I played three-on-three tournaments back in the day. You know, I'm very familiar with the gym. Love Patrick Gymnasium. So Yale is up five with 3.8 seconds to go. They allow uh, UVM to get a casual layup with about 0.06, 0.6 seconds to go. So it's it's a three-point game at that point. Then Yale gets called for a dead ball foul, offensive foul, you know, the whole screen situation. I Might have been some floppage there, but regardless. So Yale gets the ball back. All uh, right, Vermont gets the ball back. Down three. TJ Long catches, shoots in the air. Same, uh, same motion. Gets fouled. The three-pointer banks in. He makes the free throw Vermont. Oh, I'm just remembering. I did see this. Uh, this is uh, the sequence was outrageous. And Yale was the preseason Ivy favorite. Now it, it, it's taken. That's just an absolute devastating, heartbreaking loss. Princeton, meantime, was picked second coming off speed of Sixteen. It's yet to lose. One more, one more thing for you here. Did you see how Georgetown lost to TCU? Yes, that's ridiculous. Okay. I'm gonna lay this out, then and then and then it's yours. So Georgetown is down. First of all, came back. It trailed like by 15 in the second half. Okay. Then it's up by two with 2.7 seconds to go. Emmanuel Miller Emmanuel Miller for TCU takes a pass from Micah Peavy. Now, Miller was the best player on the floor in the game. He finished with 29. He launches a shot. That The shot for it to even fall is why I love the sport, to be honest. You're just like, you've got to be kidding me. If he takes that shot 50 times, does he make it twice? This one goes in. The controversy is that Miller, I don't want to say clearly, but fairly clearly steps on the out-of-bounds line before he gets the shot off. Unfortunately, the rule doesn't allow him to overturn. So I hit up to officiating sources, and I said, listen... Just explain to me, because what, what happened was that the officials went to the monitor. I understand it's Georgetown's TCU, whatever. Georgetown really can't catch a break. But the officials went to the monitor. They can review if the shot left his hand in time. What they can't review and overturn is if one of the zebras didn't see Miller stepping on the line. Okay, let me stop you real quick. Most fans think that's stupid. Why is it not stupid if it's not stupid in your opinion? I'm not. No, I think this should be. I think it's stupid because how about this? If if it wasn't the OB line, GP, if it's the same play on a three point line, they'll look at it. It's insane! That's my thing. Okay, he can under the same exact circumstances. If he's shooting the ball and they're still checking to see if he got it off his fingertips in time, guess what? If his foot's on the three point line, the the bucket gets changed and overturned. But on this one, here's what I was told. Okay, I'm just going to read this and then it's all you. Um, I was told to think of it like a traveling play. We no-call a travel, and then the kid hits a game-winner at the buzzer. We go and check and see that he traveled prior. Should we then penalize the travel and disallow the basket? We can't. That is presently where the current rule is the rules committee has had discussions about plays like these all the time and my guess is that it will be a topic of conversation during our next meeting yada 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 here we uh, this has to be changed if a player is stepping on any point of the floor as the game is ending that traveling i can understand how that can be interpretive to like body motion i kind of get that you are stepping on the floor at any point that should be reviewable georgetown should have won the game but tcu gets the w i agree with you
0: um I don't think we need to be using review to go back and look at somebody traveled to go on no calls like, you know, call a travel, you no know call a foul. I don't think we go back, look at it and go, OK, the whistle was never blown, but that's the last shot of the game. Let's go look at it. Oh, we got that's a foul. Let's send him to the free. That's too much. All right. We're not doing that. I agree with that. But clocks and lines. That should be easy. On, on this shot that decides this game, we're going to look at two things. Did he get it off on time? Was he behind the three-point line? Was he on the playing surface? If you just uh, if you just yes. do those three things when you walk to that monitor, did he get it off on time? Yes. Was he behind the three-point line? Obviously. Was he in the playing surface? No. Out of bounds. Okay. Shots off. Georgetown win. You should be able to look. It, it makes no sense to me that you can look at two of those things, but not the third one.
1: It's, it is absurd. And the thing is, this stuff gets debated every May into June. And so the season has passed. And while the people in the room, like they care about it, there's just not the attention. And trust me, this is at the end of a show. It's barely getting attention, period. But you can't have this. Like if you missed the call, and I I agree with you, clocks and lines is a great way of putting it. That should be a reviewable. I don't want more reviews. Trust me, I don't. Emmanuel Miller was out of bounds, man. That pl- that shot should not have counted, period. TCU got a win that it didn't deserve. Point blank. I mean, and listen, we would – we would rev- in in football, they're going to look
0: to see if you're inbounds or out of bounds. All right? I mean, they do it every other play. Yeah. All right? In, in, uh, in baseball, they're going to look at whether, you know, a, a home run cleared the fits or not. Like, it just seems crazy to me. And here's the thing. It seems crazy to me that they could go to the monitor and look – if the if if the shot got off, if if he's behind the three-point line, but we can't, but we can't look at was he even on the playing surface? Is he in bounds? We can't look at that. We can look at these other two things, but not that. It feels like that falls under the same umbrella. And I wonder, and I'll ask somebody this, because as you say, like these things are talked about all the time. I just can't understand how this specific thing could be talked about. And somebody say, No, 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 no. I bet you it's the type of thing they don't talk about. <laughs>
1: I would would believe it. You can't
0: have this. Because who could say this? Who could say this? Who could go, hey, guys, listen, we know last second buzzer beater. We know we're going to go look at it to make sure the shot got off, right? Yes. We know we're going to make sure the shooter's behind the three-point line. We're going to look at that, right? Yes. Should we also look in the rare case that they're close to out of bounds, should we also look at is the player even in bounds when the shot is launched? And somebody would say, nope, not that one. Who would say that?
1: I, exactly,
0: and you're so I bet me- you the. Con- I bet you they don't have the conversation. I bet you that rule
1: has changed before next season. It better. I think next. I th- is it odd years or even years? That whenever. Are- but well, I know what you're saying. Anyway, I'm yeah. just saying out loud. Um, yeah, it, it, again, it was the whatever, just because it was the 35th most important game of the weekend doesn't mean it's not worth bringing up because you know what? Um, volcanic reaction, if something like this happens in an NCAA tournament game. Uh, but then again, sometimes things have to happen on those kind of stages to prompt any kind of change. This feels okay.
0: like one of those. It's it, just it like be. one of those things where this yeah. has to happen. We all look at it and now we go, well, we should change that.
1: Correct. Yeah, that's where right.
0: we're at. I, I, it, that will be changed. And if not, like who's in charge of doing this? Because you're not, you're not doing a good job. If you can't change this one, when it's time to change it, I'll give you a pass because maybe you never thought about it. But now that we are thinking about it, it makes no sense to not be able to look at that.
1: I agree. Rick Barnes, by the way, I believe is the head of the rules committee. So. At Rick All right, Barnes. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Barnes. So if you're if you're looking for an actual person that that this whose desk this would ultimately fall to because this rotates among coaches, I think Barnes is the the chair of the rules committee. Well, Rick Barnes, I I still have your team in the top 13. Much to the much to the <laughs> feels like you know what feels like this is worth dropping them out altogether.
0: Rick, I've got you 13 with three losses, and Twitter is on my ass. All right, I'll keep you there, but I'm gonna need this rule changed, right? Rick Barnes, I'm going to continue to believe in your balls and not punish you severely for merely losing the team that I have ranked ahead of you. But I'm going to need you to change this rule. That's a good deal. Everybody, get, everybody gets what they want out of that, right? There you go. Yeah, can't believe Creighton walked in a Pinnacle Bank and did that. That's also yeah, just kind of disrespectful.
1: No, it's no surprise whatsoever. I mean, what's, those are your
0: neighbors. Uh, those are your neighbors. You don't walk in your neighbor's house and do that to them, do you?
1: For the for the very narrow uh, group of, of people, I thought about a name for this, too. Um, for the jam band college basketball loving fan. I'm thinking about calling the Nebraska Creighton game. It just means Mo Justin to Mo who has a song called Nebraska. So it just means Mo M.O.E. Mo. Just means Mo. Just means MOE. Mo. Hey, take it and run with it. You want to do a little uh, heads up for the next two days on the on the on the calendar here, GP? It ain't great. Monday's a little slow. There's only one game on Monday worth tuning into. Iowa at Purdue. Is that the game you're referencing? I would say, I, 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 how about this? I don't want to disrespect anyone else on the schedule. There's only one game with quasi. I want to Steve disrespect here. everybody else on the schedule. Go ahead. Right I would say, Yes. That's the one. Iowa at Purdue on Monday. You see how Purdue rebounds that games. Obviously it's at Purdue. They're at home. Uh, there we go. I will be at the garden on Tuesday. We have the Jimmy V. So you've got four teams that will be ranked FAU, Illinois, FAU had itself a nice little weekend. And then you've got UConn UNC. So FAU Illinois is a 6.30 Eastern tip. Build your dinner time around that for all you people on the East Coast and Central time zone. UConn UNC is 9.00. ESPN. Elsewhere, basketball fans start adjusting to the Peacock viewing schedule. Wisconsin-Michigan State is a Peacock viewing at 7 Eastern. Providence at Oklahoma is the best game that could get overlooked. That's an ESPN U tip, but it's 7-1 Providence at 7-0 Oklahoma, so that's actually a pretty good one. Um, And then Nova, we talked about Nova at GP. It's got to go at Kansas State on ESPN 2, 7 o'clock on... on Octagon of Doom. That's a poorly time. Imagine coming off a loss to Drexel and you got to go to the Octagon of Doom. That's... That's, uh, that's no good. There is one more, actually. Uh, San Diego State almost lost on the road over the weekend uh, to UC San Diego. Jaden Ladee hit one, hit a hit. got a putback at the buzzer, or else they would have lost. They now have to go and play at Grand Canyon, which is probably going to win the whack. So SDSU actually has a pretty big one on Eastern on Tuesday as well. Anything you're looking for from, from Jimmy V or anything else, Tuesday, GP, or just uh, what you're more, most anticipated about? Boy. What? Did you let
0: the Florida Atlantic Owls make waste of Fornelli's a line There's a lot on the line here. I know. I mean we might have to go
1: live. <laughs> and you know how much I that don't want to go live. That, that is tonight. all you you're you're up, by the way. And the next one, the next quickie pod, you're up. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, FA how about the FAU over Illinois? Just give them give them 'em nine minutes in between. <laughs> you know, in between the in between the the the, the games right there before Carolina Yukon. I say why not? i like to i like to do podcasts when i'm planning to do podcasts.
0: <laughs> I don't like eleven p m podcast just out of the blue
1: yeah, it was so friday was so i don't know consequential it felt it felt like we needed to do one there so
0: i i, I, like, I Purdue to- lost and I was so depressed about the top twenty five of one. you ready for this? I went click <laughs> and went just like this just put my head on a pillow and called it a night. <laughs> Got to wake up in the morning and redo the top 25 and one. <sighs> I just called it a night, buddy. I was, a, I go to bed early. I gotcha. I, I ain't trying to stay up all night. And
1: all in all seriousness, before we wrap, which game are you more looking forward to FAU Illinois or Yukon UNC? FAU Illinois. My
0: owls on, on the, my owls inside Madison square Garden. What are we talking about?
1: And this guy tries to rewrite history. He was slandering Dusty May and his program on CBS Sports Network for years, and now they're his owls. They're my owls. I adopted them.
0: Yeah. I adopted them. They're my owls. I'm the one that believed in them. Nobody else did. When you hear FAU at the Final Four for the second straight year um, saying stuff like, uh, nobody believed in us, I want you to remind everybody, oh, I know somebody who did. It was GP.
1: The, the conversation we've been having about James Madison is the same one I had with you in January about FAU when you didn't rank him. And then eventually you did.
0: Are now you getting this?
1: No, yes, no, absolutely. I wrote, I wrote this whole thing in the court. I will not I'm allow that.
0: Yes, it, it absolutely is the case. That is what, that is what people call
1: revisionist history. No, that's what you're doing. I was cluing you in on FAU, and then you're like, you know what? You're right about that because people are on my ass. People love to get on your ass. Let's be real about this. But people were on my ass about Charleston. But you know what, Norlander? You were right. FAU's the team. You don't. We did a whole thing on this on the podcast.
0: That's the thing. But no, we weren't talking about FAU. We were talking
1: about Charleston. And, and, I, I, and then I wrote a thing on FAU, and you're like, you know what? FA, you're right. FAU's the team. I didn't read that. Yeah, I, but you I know think that was thirty-two, 32 minute read. What happened? You started you started ranking them.
0: You know that was a thirty-two Don't minute read. I ain't got that kind of time. Yeah. What do you think I'm doing? Staying up all night every night. I ain't got that kind of time. No, we were talking about Charleston because Charleston had gone into the AP poll. Charleston was in in uh, in the AP poll, and I said, "Listen, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Pat Kelsey. It, I know how much it means to that program. I know how much it means to that city." but but there is charleston should not be ranked in the top 25 and one right now if you are looking and here's what i said to you right to your bearded face i said if you're looking for a a mid-major with a gaudy record that actually does deserve to be ranked and have some substance to the resume that is florida atlantic
1: and i loved your report on the on your read on the court report and that's why i'm gonna do it that's how that ended
0: (laughs) i can't read a 32 minute story I have three kids. I got soccer practice. I don't have time to read a 32-minute story about anybody.
1: I assure you, no 32-minute stories here.
0: You wrote a 74-minute story on Florida Atlantic, and now you're trying to act like you discovered them. I discovered Florida Atlantic, just like I discovered yeah, Mickey Mitchell. I was
1: calling you out in the chat saying you're Christopher columbus and FAU. Christopher Columbus is a wild
0: dude, man. It is wild that we have Christopher Columbus Day. <laughs> that guy is that guy is wild, Christopher Columbus. Let's wrap it up here. Right. <laughs> I don't think you understand what Christopher Columbus was up to back in the day. I don't think you were a history major, but Christopher yeah. Columbus. I think. Uh, I think I did discover Florida Atlantic,
1: and now here I- we are. Are you sure Christopher Columbus didn't discover Florida? I think Christopher Columbus takes credit for discovering. He probably Florida. does. He probably
0: does. He discovered Florida Atlantic, then murdered everybody. Let's go. Do some reading, deadleg. You're gentrifying FAU at, at minimum. Do, do some reading. I'm familiar. Let's go. You might need to do some reading. Instead of writing 32 minute stories, maybe you need to read for 32 minutes. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Mike Norvell. I'm sick for that man. It's possible to be sick for Florida State, but also feel like the committee got their job right. That's where I'm at. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcast, just do a little search. I own College Basketball Podcast, Spotify, Apple. It'll pop right up. There's more of us than there are of them. Make sure that's reflected in the comments. And if you do that, I promise. We're going to talk to you again on Wednesday morning where we will open with a preview of the Peach Bowl.
1: (laughs) We will will not. Between
0: Florida State and
1: Georgia. Right? Can't wait for that. Let me know when we're starting. I'll pop in 10 minutes later. Can't
0: wait for that. Till then, take care.